Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and we watched several things this week, starting with The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 2. We also watched The Lost Daughter, which is Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. That one's out on Netflix. It's got Olivia Colman, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, Paul Mescal, and Peter Sarsgaard. And then we took a look at the 2022 Golden Globes, which were very strange because they weren't telecast this year for good reasons, but we just took a quick inventory of the winners to see how we felt about them, see if there were any outstanding upsets, etc. Etc. Et so, spoiler alert for Book of Boba Fett, and sort of spoiler alert for The Lost Daughter. We talk about the themes, but I, we actually didn't go too much into the specifics of the plot. So, if you're comfortable with it, you could probably listen without having seen it. And then, also, just a very random spoiler alert for The Fault in Our Stars, which we talk about later as a part of what we're watching, and you'll find out why. And then, be sure to stay tuned after the main discussion, as there are a couple of follow-up points. And without further ado, here's we're watching what. Book of Boba Fett, episode two. I'm going to go ahead and guess Matt loved it. <laughs> Matt is very, very happy. Uh-huh. Jackie, I'm going to guess, is on a similar team as Dana, but go ahead, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. I thought it was so, to me, just entertaining. I'm loving, like, I, I don't know. It's making me care about Tuscans in a way that I never did before at all. And I really mm -hmm. love that because it's like they're OG Star Wars, you know, and I love what it's kind of doing this thing i'm not going to compare it to rogue one in a quality way i'm not saying that at all but what one of the things i love about rogue one as a property is it took the original star wars for me and enhanced it a lot and i already loved that movie you know what i mean but it like made it even better and this isn't doing that in that same way but it's taking such an original thing and these and these beings on this planet have always just been awful in most uh, iterations we've gotten until mandalorian a little bit but they're just awful. And then it's kind of like flipping it on its head a little bit and making me care about them in a way that I just never even expected or knew I would want. And I'm loving that. I'm going to shock everyone, I guess, and agree. So I decided before I started watching the second episode, I'm like, you know what? If the show doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to try to enjoy the ride. Right. And so I was like, OK, so I kind of like reset my mind on it and was like, this is just going to tell stories that we haven't seen in the universe and it doesn't have to tie in and it doesn't have to be you know whatever and then when I went into it with that mindset I actually like found myself enjoying the whole thing quite a bit because I I mean I used to love those I don't remember what they're called but like those encyclopedia books where you can like go through the pages and it'll show you like a blaster and it'll explain where it came from and give you all this weird background like I want to call them like uh, I spy or like something uh, like books. discovery. Was it like discovery publications yeah. or something like that? Yeah, I know exactly something like that. Yeah. They had star Wars versions of it. And I remember like reading about Queen Amidala's makeup and, you know, and what the dots, the dots on her, um, her cheeks represented. I think it was like, it, they were tears because of this massacre that had happened on her planet at some point. And then her lipstick was, you know, whatever they had all these reasons for everything. Right. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, I love the rich tapestry of this storytelling. Like, I was just obsessed with the idea that they had thought through all of these details that were seemingly unimportant to the story. You know, no one ever talks to her about why she's wearing this makeup, right? But someone somewhere sat down and came up with it, right? And so similarly, like, I really enjoyed learning about 
Tuscan Raider culture. I didn't know that I cared about Tuscan region culture. I thought that I was okay with them just being randos on the side, um, attacking us regularly. But I had a very good time learning about this sort of harsh culture that has to survive on Tatooine. And yeah, so surprisingly enjoyed it more than expected after the first episode. I mean, to me, I was just like, it's Dune. We are watching Dune. They even, you know, we've got our sandworms. We've got our, we've got all our stuff. And I just, which, you know, I like Dune, certainly. Like, I liked it. And I agree. We are getting more backstory to the Tusking Raiders. And it's funny because last week we were saying, do we really need them? No, not really. But I just, there's something about, I I don't want to rag on it, but like Tamora Merson's performance is not doing it for me. Like, he feels mm. very stilted and it's it's really challenging. I did love the twins that was so weird and creepy and gross and i loved it i loved everything about that i thought of matt the whole time I was like, oh my god he is getting his whole goddamn life i here. love the huts like, Listen, I've always loved i was the like i was like i've never met anyone who loves the huts as much as as matt and like watching them come about and be their disgusting horrible wonderful selves i was just you know uh so i guess that's i mean yeah. So I, I think for me, like just really changing my mindset and being like, this doesn't have to tie into anything you love and it doesn't have to bring the Star Wars forward. And I understand if it needs to for you. And like that is totally valid and like whatever. But when I let myself just enjoy a Star Wars story that maybe won't have a point or maybe won't go anywhere, I had a good time. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. Yeah. I don't know for me if I need it to propel the Star Wars universe forward, but I do need it to have a story it's telling. And I did get a little more out of this episode that maybe there's a direction that it's going in, but it's just, it's such a slow burn for me. And like the train heist was, mm, I don't know. I just, some of, just some of the logistics of like the action. And I know that, you know, stormtroopers and, and people's accuracy with shooting has always been Questionable, questionable in the star events. yeah yeah but but at the same time suddenly everyone's a sniper <laughs> you know it's like oh wow they're making some shots that uh it was it also felt directionally pretty different from the first episode or not not like aggressively different but it, it does feel like there's a slight lack of cohesion between directional visions well it episode. feels i guess to me and this is completely valid if this is not cool or whatever but I was thinking about the name Book of Boba Fett and like what we've seen so far. And it's been mostly, you know, his history. It's been mostly him going back and like showing us things that like how he got to where he is today. And I think obviously the Tuscan Raiders and him are possibly going to have some sort of alliance or something interesting is going to happen there. But I but I think it might just be stories about him and how he got to where he is. That's valid. I mean, I think it's a, I think what's, ha I have a lot to say about what was all the things that were just said, but I think that what the purpose of this is, is essentially to deepen the development of this character who has been so beloved in a very undeserved way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In a way that it's like, we've never even known this guy. And he's just been a fan favorite, which is totally fine. I, I, I am completely guilty of standing Darth Maul before I even watched Clone Wars. I've loved Darth Maul forever and he had two lines. Like, it's like, whatever, right? So I, I'm not 
criticizing people, but that's like what's been happening. And he we- had a cool character design, yeah, yeah, which is and he did a cool thing. Sometimes key, yeah, honestly, and he was like, also very different like, than every mm-hmm. other lightsaber wielding. Marketed, marketed the hell out of like, him, you know. Well, right. and honestly, similar to Darth Maul, I had a thing for Aurora Singh forever. Okay, and she's didn't even really. I mean, she's in the movie maybe for a second. But she just happened to be on a cover of a Star Wars magazine at some point. And so I was like, oh, she's cool. Yeah, for me with Ara mm-hmm. Singh, it was like she was one of the first four action figures they released from that film. And I was I bought them all and I was like, oh, my God, she's amazing. And and then we got one shot of her. Granted, we get more of her in Clone Wars and stuff. Actually, her and Boba Fett together in Clone Wars, which is kind of fun. She kind of trains him when he's a kid. But But what's interesting is we're seeing that this is a portrait of a guy who he's like, I feel like his whole life he's just looking for belonging. And I like that about him. It's making me like actually care about him in ways that I didn't think were possible. I will say with Tamura's performance, my dad actually mentioned this to me and I had already kind of been noticing it. And now I can't not notice it, but man, I, I do not like the faces he makes when he's in any action sequence. His like threatening faces (laughs) are not doing it for me. It's like, Oh my God, like it, it does take me out a little bit, but overall I don't think his performance is shining through more than anyone else's. I think everyone else is kind of better in the show, but I'm loving a lot of the side characters. I'm still loving Fennec. Obviously this one focused even more on past present or whatever, you know, present storyline, you know, um, than Mm -hmm. the first one. So we got less Fennec, but I'm loving Garza, even though I I want more of her, you know, the Jennifer Beals character. And I'm, I'm hoping we keep getting more. The Huts I just loved, as you could guess, I will say, as much as I love them and I love their design and everything about the whole scene and all that, I do wish they were practical. Oh, God, yeah, the and CG was... Even if the CG was better, I just, you can't beat the original Java, like how we looked. Mm-hmm. You just can't beat it. And I, I just, I wish we could go back there. These did not look that much better than Java and uh, in episode one when they're at the pod race. These didn't look much better than that. And how many mm-hmm. years later? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, ooh. Yeah. But, you know, I, again, I was still obsessing over it, but... I love. actually loved the train sequence. I'm really into this this woman Tuscan raider who's the badass warrior. She's so cool. I've watched that scene a thousand times because. Wait, is that a woman Tuscan raider? Oh yeah, the one that's like dressed all in black. It's a woman, and how, she. How do we know that? Well, the actress has been confirmed, and she's talked about it. Oh okay, so, but yeah, right. but but she. I mean, gosh, the, I, uh, sidebar. But I will say something that I don't understand because they've they, we've seen this in Mando, and we're seeing it here, <laughs> over and over. For some reason, with this special effects team that's on these shows, speeders are not their strength. Like, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, like above that, you know, like the, sh- like the compositing, like whatever it is when they're on these speeder bikes. Sometimes it's just like, ooh, woof, and we keep getting a lot of them. I get it for the sequence and everything, but that was distracting me a little bit. But overall, I thought it was really fun, and it gave me uh, vibes to Solo, which I know I'm kind of the solo person on the planet who loves that film. But I love that train high seat in that as well. And then for it to be end up being the Pikes from Corelia who are smuggling Spice, I was like, this is directly lifted out of Solo and a lot of Star Wars lore. But it's just like it was, it was creating little connections to things that I love in the comics, also love in other films, and then hope we get more of here. And so it's also just on a fanboy level exciting me in ways that are beyond storytelling. 
Yeah, as someone who does not have a lot of the backstory stuff and certainly does not remember Solo, my reaction to when they said we're mining Spice, I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, this is Dune. Oh, yeah. This is all just Dune. Oh, yeah, no, Spice, Spice in the Spice Star Yeah, Spice in the Star Wars universe is a huge thing and it's essentially drugs. And so. Yeah, 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 I mean, you know, there's no denying that Dune was an influential oh, totally. sci-fi piece of yeah, and so and so it's not fair to be like every, but everything is Dune because everything is actually Dune. I agree because if you, I, I know you don't remember Solo, but if you go back to the Spice Mines of, oh, sorry, I said Karelia where Hans of Kessel, but if you go back to the Spice Mines of Kessel in Solo, it's like couldn't look more different than Arrakis, and so Tatooine looks just like Arrakis. So it's like, right, oh, okay, right. it's it's so. And then when you see it and it's all sparkly and stuff, it's like, oh my god, like <laughs> you know, like you're not trying to differentiate this at all. No. <laughs> well, it reminds me of like Lord of the Rings in some ways because you know Lord of the Rings was so pivotal in fantasy and just such an epic whatever that anytime anything fantasy kind of comes around, you can't help but be like. Yeah, it's kind of just like Lord of the Rings, you know. Yeah. I mean, everything is derivative of something you know, else. Like, yeah, I mean, like, from... yeah, we can't forget. I mean, Harry Potter tried so hard in the films to make those Dementors not ring rates, and and they made them and they weird. Tried, and and they I liked them in the films, fine, but like yeah. they in the books, yeah. they are ring rates. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Essentially, yeah. or even just like, like watching Wheel of Time and just seeing like you know heavy influences, oh, yeah. and it's like yeah, and it's all like, the Wheel of Time is like self admit. They're like, yep, yeah, we yeah, love yeah. Lord of the Rings, and they're like they're they're not even trying to hide it, and and um. But you know, I'm not opposed to that either. Oh, you know. um, but it, but it was, it was, it felt. I, I agree, it felt very glaring here. It was like, oh my god, but especially fresh off of Dune being right, one of the most right. major pictures of last year, right? Picture films, you know. But yeah, I, it's just it's given me a lot, and and then Black Chrysanthemum, this like Wookiee gladiator, I'm obsessed. And yeah, I, what is, I did like him. I was so is this I, one we've seen before, or is this just like a toy bit? Because that's a little bit what it felt like. Comics, but but okay. I'm not I'm not all that well versed with him. But he was exiled from when I I mean because I met him. It's like a Vader comic, and he actually teamed up with Boba Fett back in the day. Yeah, okay. in the comic, for real quick. And so the little the like look he gives Boba when he's when the huts are leaving, and he's walking away. He's like gives him this longing, this long look, and it's like okay, wait, is this kind of like. Like, I, there's going to be more. Boba's either going to show down with him, like, face off, or Black Chrysanthemum is actually, like... Going to join him Joining him and is going to yeah. help him take down the huts because Black Chrysanthemum worked for Jabba. But after the Vader comic I read, the only other times I've seen him is he joins Dr. Aphra's team in the comics. And so he's with Aphra a lot. So there's a chance... She's a very popular character in the comics, and there's a chance that she might appear in the show. I love her, but I haven't read any with him in it, but... I mean, um, oh, okay, yeah, she has like a the, her like, team I'm of not people super, involved, but yeah, I'm not super current though. But so. It, so that's kind of interesting. It's like the last time we've seen him in the comics, he's been with Afra, and so it's it's stuff like that. Which again, yeah, those are threads that like you gotta have read the stuff to even care. Mm-hmm. I'm know? like, I'm so lost. Go on. <laughs> but it's something where it's it's interesting. We're kind of pulling from that because obviously, you know, I mean, what's his name? Uh, Cobb Cobb Vanth in the first, I mean, second season, first episode. He's from the comics too. I will say that storyline, they kind of didn't, it didn't really matter that he was from the comics. You know what I mean? That they kind of gave him more of a purpose so far. So it's like you Mm -hmm. you could like him or dislike him without any knowledge. A lot of this feels a little more Easter egg-y, you know, Uh, so far. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a recipe that's, that's working for me and people like me, I guess, you know, and I'm, and I'm here for it. We'll see. I, I also... I think I've, I've seen a lot of articles about it since, but I was texting my sister while we were watching it and we were talking about the Raiders and uh, how it was so, it felt so uh, 
uh, so many parallels to indigenous people. And then I was seeing this stuff with the Maori tribe, you know, with Yeah, I was background. like, it's a haka at the end. I didn't even like... think of that at first. I was like, I, but I was like getting that, like, this feels like indigenous, the kind of like indigenous people stories. And I was really liking that they've given them these different kinds of tribal feeling, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, customs and different kinds of uh, rituals and things. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. The lizard was weird, but I thought... <laughs> <laughs> but you know yes, i'll give you yes, i'll give you all, drug, you, all the that drug trip, like brain eating lizard was a little bit yeah. weird yeah I, I mean i liked the bringing in of like maori culture into it but at the same time you know part of me goes given what we've seen of the tuscan raiders in what we know to be like later or i guess not later is this this is the furthest we've been with them i don't think we've seen them in the prequel the sequels okay this is still five years after return of the jedi okay so that's part partly my yeah, fear right yeah. now when we we're seeing Boba in present day and we haven't seen Raiders in present day yet and I'm worried they get wiped out. Ooh, that's possible. I'm very worried about that because it'll make me very sad at this point. Well, but um, either that or they like take over. You yeah. Know? Maybe this is about reclaiming. Now they're now they're on speeder bikes and things like that. Now so they're on like, like I'm sorry, that scene was just so bad. I have to say though, I am really really over these shows with all this Bantha death. I'm done with it. Yeah. Can we stop true. killing Banthas? It makes me really sad every we time. We cannot. They just won't do it. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to keep watching it, obviously. I'm just hoping that something clicks for me at some point that I, I may be actually bringing in the huts just because for whatever morbid reason, I like like the grossness of the huts that I'm like, okay, these are enemies I understand. Like, now I can invest in this, you know, but it's it's just, it's not as appointment television for me as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that's a bummer. It's more appointment for me than I thought it was going to be. So it's like, That's fair. Well, uh, I'm happy yeah. for you. I am too. Yeah. I mean, as, as we always say, we, we all want to love everything. And so I hope it gets yeah, there. And, and I was going to say, and maybe, you know, maybe this week I will try more of Jackie's approach where it's just like, all right, let's just go along for the fucking ride. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? And then oh, I yeah. had a good time, you know? Yeah. I'm still, yeah. I'm still keeping fingers tightly crossed for certain appearances that I want to happen and all this. And I'm just, I'm hoping. And. Yeah, I mean, uh, for better or for worse, man, like, I have no idea who's going to show up. And even when they show up, I don't know who they are. So yeah. everyone's a fun surprise for me. Well, there's one. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't think it's going to nope. happen, but I don't want to say it because I, I, I feel, I, even though I know we talked about it and it's like, whatever, but when we were talking about, was it Wilson with Echo stuff or whatever, but I was just like, oh, if, if you hadn't have, since you hadn't read those comics, if I hadn't have said that, you wouldn't have known that that was even more possible. And so oh, right, right, right. because of things in comics and whatever, there's, there are, there's a couple of different characters, whatever that, uh, one of which I know you would at least recognize that I hope shows up, but I don't want to say because if it happens, it'll be a fun surprise. <laughs> so right. well, we could, we'll have to, we'll have to put a pin in that end, and see yeah, if it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's we'll a have to dream like, for me, but I, I would just. Yeah. You'll have to jot down who it is so we can go back and, oh, and I'll, check. Oh, I'll remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you it's will. It's a pipe dream. I, I'm sure you will. <laughs> Any additional thoughts on episode two? A book of Boba Fett. I think that about covers it no, for me. Here. I thought right, that no. I thought I guess final thought I thought in ja- in Jabba's palace now Boba's palace I I thought that Rancor tease was hilarious because I was like wait oh, yeah, they got another was... Rancor and I I loved I loved that I so loved, much it was it was just I thought that was great it's feeding <laughs> on my nostalgia I think I said this last time too but I'm also like very unapologetically obsessed with Return of the Jedi I like Return of the Jedi more than the original Star Wars and I don't think it's a better film I just like it better. And I know it's silly in a lot of ways and stuff, but it, it's one of those things where it's giving me so many, like, this is a direct extension of Return of the Jedi as far as because 
so dealing with Jabba's palace and stuff and all this. It's feeding on the nostalgia that, that I have for it in all the best ways. And that's also a big part of this. I mean, as long as we don't get Ewoks, I'll probably oh, be fine. If we could, please. I swear to God. Oh, where's the Ewok show? You Bad know? enough that we brought in a Wookiee. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, changing gears entirely. Polar opposite direction. The Lost Daughter. That's so different. With Olivia Colman. You know what? I would actually love to see Olivia Colman in a Star Wars movie. Please. I'd be so into as that. I think she would kill like it. A, like, I, think I want her be... as like a, like, well, this is probably typecasting too much, but like a senator, a regal. Like, I'm super into like the High Republic books that are happening right now, and I could totally see her in the Republic back then. Like, I just, ooh. Same. I love her. She, I mean, maybe it's because she always plays that, but like, I definitely see like some sort of regal. I would welcome like any. a queen on like maybe a planet or like a. I could see you know. her being like a super sneaky mid tier like senator who's trying to power climb. Yes, I'd be please. so into that. Oh my god! Someone please make the Star Wars political drama of my life. Oh, I just love the Senate stories so much, and I know that everyone is like. Uh, they're like the only thing in Clone Wars that I keep that I watched with any real vigor was all the the Senate stuff because I like that stuff. But anyway, we're supposed to be talking about good daughter. Yeah, good daughter, lost daughter, lost daughter. Well, it's funny you said good daughter because every time I talk about this movie, which has not been that often, but every time I've like mentioned it when in passing with anyone, I keep calling it favorite daughter. <laughs> and it's because that's that's uh, Sarah and Aaron Foster's clothing brand, and I, I like I think they're hilarious, so I follow them on social stuff. So, so I see them constantly talking about it, but I cannot remember that this is called the Lost Daughter. <laughs> I mean, we could rename it, but good old Lost Daughter. Uh, one Olivia Coleman, uh, Dakota Johnson, Jesse Buckley, Maggie Gyllenhaal, directorial debut, which I thought it was fine. I thought it was as far as how how well made i thought it was a, a pretty impressive debut for someone that yeah. i didn't know yeah. had any chops about that you know obviously yeah. I think she's a good actress but i don't know beyond that so i i was impressed with that it felt like again with a netflix situation it felt like a real movie to me like i felt like i could mm-hmm. have been in a theater it felt like it was mm-hmm. worthy of that right. olivia coleman's incredible i think jackie knows this dana i don't know if i've told you this before or not but of my Slightly off kilter uh, celebrity obsessions, if you will. Dakota Johnson is one of them. <laughs> okay, I, think, I don't know if that's off kilter. Well, I don't know. I think she's like it's one of those things where like the things I've been saying about Robert Pattinson for years, and things I've been saying about Kristen Stewart for a long time. That how I just, I'm just very drawn to the, and a lot of people are like, ah, you know. And so I don't you know, yeah. because Fifty Shades of Grey, I think she gets a little tarnished based on her acting abilities right. and also nepotism. Yeah. But I think she's a really great actress. That is a big thing. Yeah. yeah, but I think she's a really great actress, and I loved her here. Uh, what did I see her in that was? Because I missed the Fifty Shades. Yeah. Uh, good job, me. <laughs> but I saw her in something that was like, oh, she's pretty good. Yeah. All right, I'll give her that. Like, no doubt yeah. she I mean, got her foot in the door. I, think I like her, did. but it's, yeah, I mean, I like her, but I think, I mean, it's partially because I hear you talk about how great she is all the time. Um, I'm sure that doesn't hurt but i i like her and i thought she was good in this and i thought the acting in general was really good um i was gonna say who really shown for me was jesse buckley who plays young olivia coleman mm-hmm. which i you know my first thought upon seeing that was i was like 
is Olivia Coleman really so old that she needs another yeah. actress to play young her? But I, this actually came up in my critics group because we voted Olivia Coleman best actress, which given this year, I'm like, all right, fine, that works. The, the point being like, she's, she's playing a really young woman and a really young mother in particular. And like, it needs to be focused on how young she is. I was like, all right. And I do think Jesse Buckley channeled Olivia Coleman you know, in a way, like this was not Olivia Coleman's most revelatory performance. I think she's great in everything she does, but this wasn't anything I hadn't seen before. But to see Jesse Buckley be able to do it as well, I was like, all right, credit where credit is due. Yeah, I had the same exact reaction. It, so much so to where I don't know if I looked down or what, but when when Jesse was on screen, it took me a second to connect that that was Olivia Coleman as a younger person. Yeah, I didn't get her immediately. And, yeah, and same. I was like, oh, wait. And I was like, okay, first of all, yeah, same exact reaction to where like, is this necessary? And then also, does this even remotely look like her? Like all these things, but her performance was so strong that I was, I was like, whatever, I'm here for it. Sold. Yeah, she she just channeled and that's, her really that's well. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah, and because I had the exact same reaction, where I was like, wait, what is happening? And then I was like, whoa, I don't think that was necessary necessarily. But then, yeah. Anyway, uninteresting. Agree. Yeah, I like uh, I, I like the music a lot. <laughs> I thought the music, the score was pretty great, and I thought the cinematography was great. But yeah, overall, I was I was not bored at all, and I liked it and everything. But I'm not rushing out to go watch it again or anything. And somehow, kind of kind like, of dry. I wouldn't say that I didn't emotionally connect to it at all because I obviously did in some senses that I was interested enough that I didn't turn it off that I was you know whatever. But I didn't connect to it to a point where I I like it. It it mm. mostly just becomes it's a good film that I'm sure touches someone but somehow didn't connect to me. I think the thing I liked about it was I don't think we get a lot of films that explore motherhood and go into the sort of just like everyday taxation that goes into it. You know, we get things about mothers who are in extremely tough circumstances and, you know, there's very extreme things, but I don't know if we really get moms who like aren't happy about being moms all the time. You know, there's this expectation, I think of women in society, especially those who are mothers to be like, this is your great mission in life. Like yeah. everything, drop everything else because this is it. And I do like that. This was a character who was like, no, <laughs> these children are getting in my way a little bit. Like I'm not a perfect mom. You know, I'm putting me first. I thought it was well done. And, and I, don't, I don't know if I personally connected it to it, but I admired it. In some yeah. ways. And, and you know, Olivia Coleman is not playing the most relatable character, which is not something actresses, especially actresses of a certain age, always are willing to do. And I think because she's Olivia Coleman, she can do it. You know, it's like it's not going to impact her. In fact, she's going to win awards for it. <laughs> and I think, you know, and I think stories like this are important for that reason, right? That we need to show all aspects of it, right? Mm -hmm. Motherhood in general. Yeah, I mean, it was it, to that point, slightly little kind of a role reversal there, right? Where it, it was interesting to see the perspective of, like you said, a mother, but a mother who actually does downs and then is living with the guilt of wanting to like atone for that and kind of how it's in our society, we look, and this is so wrong, and I'm not saying I look at it this way, I don't think you do either, but we, we tend to, I think, look at like a, a mother doing that as so much worse than a father doing. Mm -hmm. and, and, we, yeah. and so the society, you know, and, and you go down to, okay, well, how much of that is biology and, and how women versus men are built, which I don't know, you know, about how they might react to doing that or how who's more prone to do it. 
but how much of it really is what society accepts and then the guilt that gets laid on when you fail at something like that when you're a woman versus a man. Yeah, or is it is it even failing, right? Like, right. Well, is that, fail is that... in that you're like, you weren't, you, you left, you know, but yeah. you abandoned your children, but you didn't leave them in a box outside. You know, you right. left them cared for, cared for you and know. then, you know, yeah. it, it, by someone you trusted, you know, so it's something where it's not, so you might consider that a failure of motherhood, not you, but I'm saying someone might, but. Yeah. Well, I think society in general does, right? right so right. I think that like, you know, it's, it's hard to understand, I guess, in some ways how the pressures of, you know, being a woman and being sort of expected to want to procreate, right? And like. Mm-hmm. That and for procreating to be the best thing that ever happened yes. to you. And 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 to be something that like is joyous and wonderful for you all the time. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that like something that like as a society, especially A, we're doing we're doing a little bit better, at least at least in the groups that I'm a part of, about, you know, respecting people's right to not want to have kids and and you know that kind of thing. But I think that there is still this sense that if you did do it, it would still be the best thing that ever happened to you. And I think it's okay if it's not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that it's okay if you have children and they're wonderful and there's times when it is the best of your life, but it's also okay to talk about that it's really, really hard and that it takes up the rest of your life, right? And maybe it shouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we don't talk about the regrets that some people might have about it. And I don't even know if this character inherently like regrets having the kids, but it's just I think she regrets what it, it is trying to take from her or what she perceives that it's trying to take from her. Yeah. I think she longs yeah. for what her life might have been if she didn't have them, but I don't think she regrets right. having them. But that she now is regretting. Well, cuz that's the thing is is like you could be them. happy that but they exist and that they're, you know, out, out, out in the world or whatever. But society wants you to be defined by motherhood and Mm -hmm. she chose not to be right Mm -hmm. and still had to sort of deal with you know the pressures of that afterward and like what it means to not let your yeah go ahead oh sorry i was gonna say pressures afterwards but also repercussions of making that decision and then seeing how it affects your children because yeah even though the children are cared for, you undoubtedly will likely have children now that do suffer from some sort of abandonment issues still when kind of growing, looking back and being well, like, well, and it's partially because me, even though that's not right. Right. And I think that like, and that's partially like a societal problem where we tell everyone that, you know, your mom and dad have to be there for your whole life. And it's so wonderful if they can be. And it's great if they're your support system, but it's also really okay slash we need to make, obviously these are like deep sort of changes or whatever, but that your support system and like your family, the nuclear family is not going to exist forever, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and I, and I feel like it's okay if it doesn't and you're not necessarily abandoned just because your mom decided she needed, she wanted to do something else later in life. But, I mean, yes, that's the, the societal story there is, like, you don't have anyone to give a card on Mother's Day, and you're supposed to go to brunch with her, and you're supposed to want to call her, and all this stuff. And I think that it's all symptoms of, you know, there's lots of parents, and, you know, I have friends and things who have relationship with their 
parents that I wouldn't wish on anyone, you know, and that it's okay to, to walk away from, like, you can be a whole person without this nucleus, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, kind of I think an elegant way of sort of explaining that, I guess. No, I, th- I think it's an examination of, you know, how these relationships that are meant to be, like, super impactful, and they are going to be impactful, right? But, like, they're not the be-all, end-all. Right, but I think as a society we like tell you that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I think this uh, is trying to get away from Right. It. And I'm saying and like and part of it, you know, and it's not the kids' fault and you know, and they'll have abandonment issues anyway, but part of it is a societal problem where we tell you that you your mom is the person who will be there for you forever. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we would do better to to tell different narratives and tell different stories so that your individual story does not feel like such a loss. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, yeah. and as a country, but also a world in large, you know, we, we've built a society that's based on monogamy, which is not necessarily a natural thing. And in, in you know, in the animal world, <laughs> it's not. And it's mm-hmm. it, except for a couple of different, you know, species, of course, but monogamy. And then, yes, like you're saying, you have your children till they're 18 that they are they are children and actually don't have their own rights as humans really beyond i mean they do but not as adults that are consenting thinking on their own and uh we've decided that's the age not here to say it shouldn't be or should be i'm not really sure but i just mean yeah like it's we've we've made that cookie cutter a decision mm-hmm. that that's what that looks like and so exactly. when, when it doesn't go they, that way you feel like, lost <laughs> and because you of know? that you know it's like it all circles back to if society maybe supported her or just this kind of the, the ideas in, in the right type of way, she might not have gotten to a point where she felt so overwhelmed and wanted something other than her children. Well, and I she think might that have this loved is it, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think this is talk and this is something that I personally am not a mother, um, except for my wonderful cats. But this is something I've talked to my mom friends, my friends who have children about, you know, fairly a lot is that we've lost as a society, this sort of idea of community child raising, right. Mm -hmm. You know, where it is the mother's responsibility almost solely to raise the children. The dad is supposed to bring home money, but he's not supposed, he doesn't need to support them emotionally. He doesn't need to contribute to the household except for to bring in money, right? And, you know, obviously things are changing and very luckily, you know, very few people whose husbands act like that, right? But it builds in this sort of like, we see a child crying and throwing a tantrum at Target. And the first reaction is people to be like, oh my God, get a hold of your fucking child, right? When in reality, what would be kind is if someone was like, hey, I'll watch them. You want to go take a minute and collect yourself and, you know, because it's emotionally draining to be everything to to someone all the time, 24-7, right? Mm -hmm. And as a mother, you know, in certain ways, you have to be everything to this child all day, every day, especially you know, in the way that we've been doing child rearing recently and we've gone away from this community child raising, we're not really in it together in the same way that I think we had been in past decades. Well, we're not living in a world where you could trust a stranger to watch your child. Right. You know, know, it turns out it sucks, you know, and it's like, and it's just such a bummer because 
I just think that if we had community daycare where it wasn't so prohibitively expensive, you know, because putting your child in daycare is more than most people's rent. It's extremely expensive. And, it, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. They're watching our child. People should get paid to do that. Like, you know, there's two sides to every coin. But if we could make this, you know, as a government or whatever affordable so that people could take hours off from their day and have activities that they can do and have, you know, time off from being this mother 24-7, I think that we would see less burnout of this type, right? And less, it wouldn't be such a daunting task to be a mother. I do have to say that I, I completely agree with you, but one of the things I did like about the film, and, you know, maybe this was just my interpretation of it, I did feel like she was a character who had a support system possibly, right? And who, you know, wasn't going, had other income. It wasn't just, her partner was there. But the thing that I liked about it is she still felt frustration at it, you know? So it's like, Mm -hmm. even if you have a utopian setup, you can, you you are still perfectly valid in feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances that you have found yourself in. Yes. And I actually really liked that about it. I really liked that her husband wasn't a deadbeat. I liked that, you know, she seemingly had enough to do the job, right? It wasn't like one of those where, you know, you don't have like one of those tragic mother stories where like, you know, it's them against the world or whatever. Yeah. And it's, and not that this is, not that her, the issues that she was dealing with were this simple, but it goes back to that. You do not need a reason to be depressed, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's like, and we need to stop acting like, everyone has to be a sufferer of some sort of trauma or something in their life in order for them to have some sort of mental issue or an issue with anything or unhappiness with anything or what, like you have to stop looking and saying, well, you don't have reason. You have everything. It's like, no, if you looked at it from outside, yeah, she seemed to have everything, you know, and, and, and she didn't because it's not what's making her happy, but to kind of go all the way back to and make that full circle. It's like all the things Jackie said, and you've said, but then you pile on top of that, that we are just living in a world that does not support women. And so it just all, yeah. it's just, it just all is a certain cycle that, you know, it's like, how do you break out of it? And have you ever seen the movie Sideways? This is, it's very, nothing to do with the this. The one movie. about wine? Yeah. I, it, <laughs> yeah. Made, it just made me think of it in a way where I was, I forget how old, I, like, a late teenager when that came out and I worked at the movie theater I saw it and I was like I don't understand this like I understood what was going I, on but I, I didn't like it on a hot date night yeah maybe yeah and I just was like yeah. okay like but people were raving about it and I had a good mm-hmm. friend who was managing one of the theaters at the time who was older than me and loved it and we were talking whatever anyway this made me think of that that circumstance in a way where I remember reasoning with the fact that sideways I was like, oh, it's just, it's not for me. It's not bad. It's just that, like, I can't understand these emotions these people are going through. I don't understand it. Yeah. And I I only say that because I think this movie, I think it was really well made, like we're saying. I give, you know, kudos to Maggie for that and the whole team. But I think it would have really, really hit a lot harder if I was a mother. I just yeah, think it would. And so sometimes there are movies like that where it's like, it, it can be enjoyed by everybody, but it's it's for a very specific person that it's probably going to hit in a really hard way because of personal experience that I just cannot understand. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. I actually, regarding Sideways, I just remember, I, I saw it as well when it came yeah. out because everyone was like, oh, Oscar. Yeah, it was. Just blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh, okay. But I, my biggest 
beef with it was I was like, Sandra O oh and Virginia Madsen are too attractive for these Either men, these especially people. Paul Giamatti. Well, like, that is all in the yes. unsightly hell. <laughs> and not that Paul See, Giamatti is like a really ugly guy, but I was just like, what? I couldn't. I couldn't relate. No. <laughs> yeah, I could, I, could, I could not reckon reconcile no. those things. I remember yeah. that. I would love to see that now that I'm older too, because I remember us like, having that conversation where we were just kind of like, "Yeah, okay, I think this is fine." It wasn't for me. I, I watched it really... like ten years ago for that reason, and I liked it fine. I, but I, it's not like a favorite movie of mine or anything at all. But I, I was like, oh, "Okay, cool." I still didn't feel like I was like in the place to where I was having that kind of crisis in my life to where I understood mm-hmm. anything they were doing. But it's kind of like also like Lost in Translation with Sofia Coppola. It just was one of those things where I can acknowledge that I think this probably is a very, I, I believe you that that it's wonderful. I believe you. I just can't, I couldn't, I couldn't put I, I, myself in there. And it's not that I have to be in every film, but it just was that kind of thing where I was just removed enough from the, that kind of experience to where I was like, okay, you know, okay, cool. But this didn't hit with me in an emotional way, you know? I would be curious if the person who was like a big fan of it at the time, how they feel about it now. Yeah, I don't like, know. Does it, does it, did it age like a fine wine? The only <laughs> other thing I remember from that stupid movie is but like, ooh, not Merlot. <laughs> okay. I, I was like, I, 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 I actually I have them. never seen Lost in Translation, which is very bizarre. Because... That is bizarre. Oh, the Merlot thing That's was from sideways. Uh, sideways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Merlot got like a weird rap because of that. And I was like, yeah, and I, was like I like wine. Merlot. And I even I, I was like, wine is wine. I was a teenager, but I liked it then too. So. Yeah. You know. The only the only other thing I have to say about the last dog was this is such a it must be odd to direct your husband yes. in a yeah. sex scene. I, like, That's a choice. It was so intimate the way that it was filmed and done that I was yep. very kind of like I was a little yeah, uncomfortable. And, and like you're, and I always think about that. I'm like, God, you're able to, it's kind of like, I keep, again, to like relate this to a movie that has nothing to do with, but the sequel to Underworld. And I always remember that awful sex scene <laughs> of that movie with Kate Beckinsale and Scott Speed. It doesn't line up. And Wiseman, I think it's Len Wiseman, right? That was her husband at the time where they were together or something. Yeah. And he directs the movies and they're having sex and he's literally like, position to where he would literally be like boinking her belly button like that's how bad it is like and they're not like, lined up at all like it was just like you couldn't what you couldn't do it you were doing it and yeah. you wanted it in the film for their story but you just couldn't handle filming your wife in a sex scene maggie could handle it and it was a little like oh you're judging you know what it's I was like, like oh she, yeah. she into this yeah. to me it felt like it's i don't know and this is probably just me projecting or whatever but i to me it was like you're trying so hard to prove you're okay with this that i'm uncomfortable and unhappy mm. oh, interesting. you know yeah, yeah. like interesting you're so yeah, desperately yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to prove that you are a director and that you need yeah that you can that's separate. a great yeah and i was like oh uncomfortable though if you could just taken like two steps back it would have been like perfect you know just like oh that is an excellent interesting yeah that's fair that's very fair i also in those scenes i wondered for mom i was like did she consider casting herself you know i think there was maybe a moment where she did and then to her credit it was like nope this totally but what's interesting is i could actually see them i mean maggie is older than jesse of course they could do anti-aging and stuff i guess but I could actually see Maggie and Olivia having more in relation than in looks anyway, as far as like, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, personally. They both have sort of googly eyes, so sort of. Yeah, I could see like the, the shape of the face and stuff a little bit more, but but I, I wouldn't change the casting at all. But when you said that, I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that, but that makes, I bet she did think about it. They are only three years apart. Are they really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. They're both in their I guess 40s. that makes sense, yeah. 
wait oh my god olivia coleman's gonna be in wonka Oof. oh no oh no she like oh, that's not good <laughs> i have no idea sally hawkins is too Oof. anyway all right well uh any additional thoughts on the lost daughter no i mean i think i think it's worth checking out it also especially just for her performance if nothing else i mean there's buzz around it you know and i think yeah. uh yeah. I, I mean i'm pretty sure she's i thought it was very um yeah i think it's definitely worth watching i think if you are a mother and it doesn't mean that you have to have experienced these things directly. There's plenty of movies about things that I've never experienced that I feel very deeply, but I think in some, some movies do speak to you in different times of your life a little bit more. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, of the Netflix originals, like there are a handful that were clearly the ones they were holding on to. And I think this is certainly one of them. them. Yeah. Very clear strategic. And I mean, my, my main takeaway uh, beyond like what's coming next is I, I I do look forward to seeing what Maggie does next. Uh, yeah, you know I'm curious. Yeah, into it. Yeah. I think it was a great bold story, you know, about women that we haven't really seen, and mm-hmm. and kudos to having more of those. Yes. All right. Well, moving on to the Golden Globes, which I didn't even realize were happening, and it turns out nobody realized they were happening. I mean, they kind of were, but because they didn't air them. Yeah. This year for good reasons, I I think, you know, credit to NBC for cutting ties because the Hollywood Foreign Press is, is was a racist voting body that had no black people in it and also was like doing some sketchy stuff on the side. So good job, NBC, I guess, and other new networks were not like live streaming it. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It's a weird time. It's a weird time. But uh, did anything stand out to anyone? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It's so hard to judge a year where, like, I mean, I don't know. Almost nothing came out. I mean, to me, the the Globes continue to prove that they can be bought, you know, because some of the stuff, like, Nicole Kidman won for being the Ricardos over Olivia Coleman and The Lost Daughter, and I will eat my hat if you tell me that that was a better performance. No, I don't think it was a better performance. I thought... I, I thought Nicole, I liked her performance pretty well, but I I didn't... Yeah, I wouldn't have necessarily given her the Globe. I, I also have to say... I think I would have nominated, I don't think I would have necessarily given it to her, but I would have nominated Frances McDormand. I, I, you know, I would have. For yeah. Macbeth. For oh, Macbeth. For, for Macbeth. Yeah, I was kind of surprised she wasn't on the list. Mm. I would have nominated her over Gaga for sure. I'm like annoyed Will Smith won for King Richard for some reason. See, that feels like it was a, hey, we're not racist play. Because there are actually three nominees of color. Four, aren't there? Because Javier, too. Four? It was Mahershala, Denzel, Javier. Do we count Spain, Spanish as well, people of color? I guess. Yeah. I, I think. Do we? Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. They still have, they still get the perception of, and when they're in America with their accent and stuff, they still have. Yeah, no, you're, but you may be right. I, I don't know. I mean, it's. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to argue yeah. it a hard way, but I generally speaking, I would group that in as more European than, sure. you know. Yeah, but I mean, his accent still probably puts him at a disadvantage in places. And yeah, but I, I, you know, Will Smith was fine in King Richard, but I wasn't like this was the best performance by an actor of the year. I mean, I guess I wanted Emma Stone to win for Cruella, but I didn't expect her to. (laughs) So you know, I wasn't shocked. Um, West Side Story girl won. Both West Side Story women won. And I will say supporting, I super, super agreed with that out of the list. Yes. Because I thought thought that supporting she didn't. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the list of who was nominated, I definitely would have given it to her. I haven't watched Siriano yet, so I guess I don't really have an opinion about that. 
Andrew Garfield did. Wait, do you great. mean Cyrano? Cyrano? Cyrano, sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's. I'm always I mean, it's things to me. fine, but it's not. I mean, the other thing is, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I guess no, it's technically a musical, so I get it. A lot of musicals this year. Yeah, um, I was actually like, I was happy with the Encanto win. Um, I really, really, really like Luca too, but I really like Encanto. I like Luca as well. I, I, it's weird. So, have either of you seen Flea? No. Uh, no. So it's it's a documentary, but it is mostly animated. But it's like, like a pretty rotoscoped style, and it's. It, I thought I thought it was going to win my critics group mo- for a moment, just because it's like you know heavy adult topic uh, you know fleeing from afghanistan um you know wartime family separated type of thing so it's it's worth checking out it's a little bummer but it's it's um it's definitely very different than what is traditionally in the animated category so i thought there was a chance they were gonna be like we're artsy now Mm. (laughs) you know and and both films absolutely have their merits but there there was a chance yeah yeah i was i will say i I was surprised I know it's on a big awards kick. I was surprised that Mitchell's and the Machines wasn't nominated even. Like I personally don't know that I would have nominated it, but I, but I'm surprised because it is so everyone loves it and it's getting so much buzz and it's, you know, it it was winning other things at other awards. Right. So (laughs) it's like, yeah, I had, I had not even heard of the other animated film, the My Sunny Mod, which it looks like it's another serious subject one mm-hmm. so maybe they're just yeah i don't know yeah, oh, also post taliban kabul all right well we're really going for a theme um <laughs> i mean power of the dog like i just again i just came off my critics circle group and it swept basically and i i think it's a good movie and i would say maybe of the movies i saw last year because people aren't willing to reward comic book and big blockbuster movies like maybe it's the best of those but i don't know if i'm like this belongs in the pantheon of the greatest films of all time you know i I think there are certainly admirable things about it but and maybe in five years i'll be like yeah power the dog what a what a but it's just i i don't know what else is better this year and so i'm like all right power the dog it is it's gonna be the green knight but uh yeah i um green knight almost won my my voting circle it wait was one of the what it almost it came in second. Oh wow! I mean, that's what I would have yeah. put up here. I mean, I didn't watch Power of the Dog. Mm. I think. Didn't you turn it off? Oh, maybe. <laughs> it's it's, it's not for everyone. Yeah. It's such a film person film, and like, not that that's a bad thing, but I do think you know when award season rolls around, it definitely highlights the discrepancy between like general audiences and critic circles, and I don't love that. I would you know it's funny because. I argued that Andrew Garfield and Benedict Cumberbatch, who were nominated for us and are nominated at the Globes, I was like, I would have nominated them for Spider-Man. Like, I would have much mm. rather them won for Spider-Man because they were great in that. I, that was fun. Like, I was, yeah, like, wonderful. That's fine. But no, we can't do that. <laughs> I did love seeing Hacks win. I loved Hacks. I did, yeah. And, and I'm a big And Gene. I'm a I'm a big uh, Ted Lasso stand, so I was. I love was, Only Murders in the Building. I'm like obsessed oh, yeah. with it. I love it. I was that, super. That happy. category was like the the strongest to me. Yeah, because I'm actually looking. at I love The Great too. Mm-hmm. The only one Reservation Dogs is really good. I've never seen it, so I don't know. But oh, it's I like everything else fun. in the category. So I did like that MJ Rodriguez finally won for Pose. Yeah. Uh, Succession. I don't watch. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Do your thing. Yeah, for me, uh, one that was hard was for actress in uh, 
with Kate Winslet, right? In a limited... I was going to say, is it Kate beating Elizabeth Olsen? N- no, it's Kate beating Jessica Chastain, honestly. Oh. And I think this is a really strong, well, pretty strong list of ladies here. But I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, you know how I, I mean, I told you both. I mean, I also thought I couldn't handle um, Oscar Isaac not winning either. I just thought they both were so like, I, it didn't feel like even watching a show. It felt like watching real life to me. Uh, in a way that the Squid I, Game guy won. That was, that was the thing that that that's how I realized that the glows were happening is because somebody was like, "What a weird year!" But at least the guy from Squid Game won. And I was like, "What? <laughs> what? What?" I mean, it's happy about the Squid Game thing, but it's really good. Just watch Squid Game. Yeah, I I, I do, do I do have plans to do so. I just haven't done it. Please, <laughs> maybe someday. I, I mean, I'm gonna no, keep begging. <laughs> That's gonna be my what I'm watching, or until I until, <laughs> until we die. It. it only counts if you're actually rewatching it, though. I'll rewatch it. That's fine. Yeah, I've been, I've been told you I was watching Singles Inferno. Yeah. yeah, you can just watch a new episode every week until that's until true. yeah, you know, one of us gives. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I was underwhelmed. I'm underwhelmed by this year in general. Yeah. We talked about that in our 2021 recap. Like, I didn't feel like I missed the Globes. I only feel like it just because I, you know, I, mean, we, I think we talked about this last year, but I'm such a like award whore that I, I love these shows so much that I start watching at like noon because I watch the pre-red carpet. Like I watch, I'm just that person. I love watching all the stars no, arrive and all the you, interviews but... and all the things. And I'm just kind of sad I didn't get to do that this year with this. And I hope I get to do it with the Oscars. Yeah, but I think the thing for me about the glows is that it's always just so all over the yeah. place and like chaotic. And I, you know, sometimes I'm, I I go, okay, that's fun. I'm glad that they awarded, you know, uh, somebody who has a long shot. Like, you know, the guy from Squid Game, great, fine. But then there are other categories where you just feel the purchasing of it, you know, where you're like, Amazon money paid for Nicole Kidman's win here. This isn't a deserving win. And so to me, it undermines the entirety of it. And I just get really frustrated by it. I think I like, especially in past years, I've, I've always enjoyed watching. I like the the fashion at the Oscars. I like watching the stars at the Globes because they all just get drunk. Because it's the TV and the yeah, movie. Because well, I love that they're all drunk together and they look like, like they're yeah. having a good time. And it's a big deal um, for TV people. It's not. It's a huge deal all around, but it's not as big of a deal for movie movie stars. And so they're just like right. having fun, letting loose, like whatever. And right. I find it fun to watch them. And I have such fond memories of many of the times that Ricky Gervais and then when uh, Amy and Tina hosted it that I think they get such fun hosts and stuff that I long for that back and I hope it all I miss the glamour I like I like looking at all the outfits and all that stuff yeah oh yeah I definitely do too I just always kind of associate more excitement with that part of it around the Oscars and then the Globes I associate more with fun you know even though the yeah. glamour is fun too, I love it all. I just I want it all back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I to me, I'm I'm glad that they took this. I don't want to say they like punished the Hollywood foreign press, but you know, I, I'm glad they are taking a stand yeah. about it and and you know not, writing, but clearly people are talking about it anyway. So right, but I also don't want to deprive the people who did win of, you know, especially the people who are from smaller productions or whatever it is. You know, they're yeah. In the some ways, having a, a year like this can let people shine like the guy from squid guy game you know who in a different year probably wouldn't have had the opportunity yes and 
you know, I got I got to say, like, Oh Young Soo is not young. He is very old. So I'm glad he got this award. And like, but eh, any other? Well, and I was gonna say for uh, foreign film, I need to catch up on these because I know you mentioned Drive My Car last mm-hmm. week, uh, and it won. I've only seen Parallel Mothers. I don't think I've seen any of these other ones, and, it's, and that's that's kind of odd for me. Usually at this point, I've seen more of them. So Drive My Car came out in like really limited release. What were the other ones? Uh, um, compartment Number Six, Hand of God, A Hero, oh, and Parallel Mothers. Oh, Hand of God's on Netflix. Heroes, A Hero's on Amazon Prime. What I'm sad is it didn't get nominated. It's called The Worst Person in the World. Yeah. That one's spectacular. It's also, you know, how you talk about like Marriage Story is just such real characters the worst person in the world to me is like the movie version of that where it's just it's four years out of this character's life and i i was like if aliens were to come and you were trying to like encapsulate humanity or like one person's journey i'd be like watch that movie but then it's so specific that i'm like i don't know if this is representative of humanity but it just feels like such so genuine to like one singular experience that that was relatable in many senses that was like (laughs) Anyway, watch worst, the worst person in the world. I, yeah, I get no, I'm I'm looking here. forward. I there, I just need to do some catching up. I I will say I did watch, you know, Parallel Mothers, and I I actually did like that. I liked it, but it's to me it wasn't Almodovar's best. No, it wasn't. But I I like yeah. I like him enough, and I saw him in it that I was kind of like okay. But uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. But I also would watch Penelope Cruz do most things. I have not yet watched the three by five, but I will watch her do most things. No, no, it's no, don't do it. Don't do it. But I probably unfortunately will. But the thing is, is like, I'm not going to be able to stop myself from watching it. I didn't. Okay. I couldn't because I was sick and I like, didn't anyway. For what it's worth, I I think it looks like genuinely terrible. And so I don't have any, I don't even have hopes. It'll be good. I, I think it looks so bad. I was just going to say, if we do it on the show, I wash my hands of this. You you both are watching it of your own You've volition. I want to make that no, very clear. No, the thing is, like, you, can't, you can't put all of those women together and expect me not to watch it at some point. I know it's going to be garbage. Like, I am well aware. Like, you can't – that – I don't know how they got those women together and managed to put together a worse set of trailers. They are so bad and so uninteresting – and it's like, oh my God, Just this movie must be horrifyingly bad. Like it must be yeah, so right. awful. But I can't, I can't walk away I, from I wanna those watch, movies. I want to watch that in another film. And I want to challenge Dana to say 10 positive things about each of them. And the other one is The King's Man. <laughs> I want to watch, watch them both. And I want to say, give me 10 positives about each of these films. Because like, <laughs> I know how much you love them both. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I, I quit. <laughs> this is our last episode ever. I can't do yeah, it. I forgot. I'm actually busy you, the rest of my you life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me check my schedule. <laughs> busy, yeah, forever. busy forever. Yeah. Mm, totally unavailable. I'm going to have to pencil it in uh, never. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I could find 10 nice things to say. <laughs> Just be, take a while. <laughs> yeah. But I wash my hands. You two are watching that of your own volition. I appreciate the warnings. Yes. Speaking of watching. What is we're watching? What what are we watching this week? What's everyone? I will caveat: we all we are all watching the RuPaul's Drag Race beginning of the yeah. season, but we are not. I I mean, I think we're making a call as a collective, right? We're not doing it weekly for the podcast. Oh yeah, no, I mean it's probably. I don't. I, I don't think I can. Yeah, do I don't know that it even is that interesting to do. You know, like I thought. Yeah. I, I will say I hate the I hate hate the gimmicky split. You know, whatever episode here, but. 
Yes, which is what I was rage texting yeah. about. <laughs> but, uh, and I totally agree with you. I, I liked it okay in season six when they did it the first time. And ever since, whenever they do it, I'm just like, this is just too much. Like, you're just, and I, and I think the episodes are too long now and all this, it's just too much. But I thought it was a decent episode overall. No, I had a good time. Yeah, I, 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 liked, I, liked, I liked it. it. But what was I? I had something prepared and now it's gone. Oh, of what you're watching? Yeah. Because now all I can think of it, because I also restarted season six of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh. Because I was like, I want to go watch Bianca. Bianca Del Rio. And it's also one of my favorite seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race is season six, which is interesting because it is the first time they did the split beginning. And then I haven't necessarily liked it since. So um, there's that. But I, there's something else I was watching. And I was gonna talk about yeah, I randomly started re-watching uh, Desperate Housewives, of all hmm. things. I, I very much liked that show for the most part. I only watched yeah. it through one time years ago. And I don't even, I mean, I'm not a big like TV channel surfer person, but there are certain shows, Friends, Sex and the City, Seinfeld, certain like sitcom shows, whatever, that like you can't help but like you see that reruns are on all the time, you know? And I was like, I don't, I don't ever see Desperate Housewives on ever. Yeah, I was like, I don't think. Yeah, and okay. <laughs> not that it's a sitcom, but you know, it's that kind of like easy watch in a way for me. And uh, anyway, so I, it's all on Hulu, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back and rewatch that. And so, um, I'm enjoying my time. I so full disclosure, I've I don't think I've ever watched a full episode. But are they standalone episodes, or like to me, I always assumed it was like a complicated through like storyline seasonal plot have oh you, yeah it's it's a plot but have you have you watched veronica mars no okay well it's different yeah. but in the way that those are episodic but there's still this like mystery plot through the whole season it's kind of like uh-huh. that where this is not okay. quite as episodic like it is more kind of like they feed into each other but yeah they have new very tv formula where it's like oh there are new uh issues that are new for this episode that weren't here yesterday. Got it, got <laughs> you know it, what I mean? It. But like the, but yeah, it's a yeah. mystery each season. Okay. And so the premise of the show is it there's five friends and it starts out with, there's a narrator through the whole thing. Yeah. 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 So I know I'd like, I've, you know, I've seen bits and pieces yeah. and clips, but I've never actually sat down right. and be like, I'm going to watch an episode. And I, my assumption is that's why you don't see reruns yeah. because you'd need to be able to, you know, <laughs> that's true. It's probably, it's a little tougher, but I consider it kind of similar to, Sex in the City in a lot of ways, not as it's darker and less light and yeah, I was like, <laughs> but I mean in the in the style of you'll have new predicaments in every episode that are like oh sure. that kind of yeah. wrap, mostly wrap up in that episode, but like their their relationships and the people they're dating and whatever it, that, that carries through. All right. but, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying. I, I love Desperate Housewives. I remembered what I watched that I was going to talk about. I watched The Net um, with Sandra Bullock. And of course, I had seen this movie before, but it is on Netflix and Netflix recommended it to me and Netflix never lies to me. So I was like, hey, never. I have this. It's a lie. Netflix lies to me all the time. I just love um, Netflix lies to all of us all the time. (laughs) But anyway, so I watched it and I had a very good time. It holds up. It's a good time. I mean, sure, the technology in it is not the same and questionable at best, but uh, it was a good thriller. It's a good time. Okay. So I started watching Yellow Jackets, which I feel like everyone is buzzing about. (laughs) (laughs) 
I am not as bought in, I think, as everyone is. And and a friend who had been pushing me to watch it had said it's a it's a slower start. So I'm I'm at the point, but I don't know if I can watch the show. It is very uh, the premise is like, and this is not a spoiler because it's in the all the ads and stuff like that. But I guess it's about like a bunch of teenage girls who get trapped in a plane crash in the wilderness. And I'm assuming it's going to be some horrible survival, you know, Lord of the Flies type scenario or something like that but the adult versions are Juliette Lewis, Christina Ricci and Melanie Linsky. I was like that's a strong acting group. Mm-hmm. But it's a uh, there's it's it's graphic. There's so much it's I it's gross. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I've it's, heard I've heard it's really good, but I've also heard I, it's gross and I have trouble with that. So it's kind of Yeah, I'm like, I'm struggling. I I'm can struggling. watch um Santa Clarita Diet. I didn't even know. I like Drew Barrymore quite a bit. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm only on episode three, but I sort of also was like just wavering by three. I don't know if it's a show I can binge is the thing. So we'll see. And then as, as a slight tangent off of that, also Euphoria came back, which makes me deeply uncomfortable for different reasons. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know which one makes me more uncomfortable at this point. I can't it's watch a Euphoria. Euphoria is no, not you cannot watch Euphoria. Yeah, not that's a not a Jackie show. But it's good. It's, it's so good, but I... You know, they make me, they both make me, they challenge me (laughs) in very different ways. Yeah, I I tried Yellow Jackets some weeks ago, uh, and I didn't dislike it or anything. I just didn't really care for some reason to keep going. So I only watched two episodes. But uh, Mm -hmm. I imagine, because everyone just loves it so much, I imagine I'll dive back in at some point and try to give it a go. I'm not as easily grossed out, so it's like, that's okay with me. But I just wasn't that grabbed. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. I know exactly <laughs> yeah. what you mean. Yep. But yeah. but like you said, that that acting trio, I love all of them. Yeah. Did anyone watch The Wilds on Amazon? No. Yeah. It it was like a similar. I didn't end up finishing it because it was a similar kind of premise, actually, where it's a bunch of girls, you know, in a plane crash, and teenage girls in a plane crash. There's no adult versions of them, as far as I know. I didn't get that far, but. You know, I I was like, is this going to be the same vibe? And it actually is in some ways. Um, I, again, I have not finished either series, but apparently, teenage girls in plane crashes is in vogue right now. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's a weird concept, and I think it, I think also part for Yellow Jacks, yeah, Jackets is I I like the the now and then vibe going on with you know mm-hmm. the trio that's you know grown, but. It also, in a show like this that's so about this, like, in survival and all this, whatever, it's like, okay, well, spoiler alert, those three survived. Yeah, that's you know, true. So yeah. it, it makes it harder for me to really, like, invest because I'm kind of like, well, I know about that. Obviously, I, I, you know, you could do it in a way that, I mean, you can, you know, you're telling me things that are interesting, but it's just, you know, that part kind of was for me. Yeah. I'm very excited that Melanie Linsky is in this. I love seeing her and stuff. She's great. I got to say, Christina Ricci. Uh, Steenie Ricci has been a constant through my entire life who I enjoy and watch things for like the few moments she was in for this I was like oh wow this is you are I forgot that you are good because you know I think the thing I'd seen her in prior was Matrix, Matrix I know we forgot to bring that up but I was like what she's like eighth build or something like that and she has like three lines yeah. she's three lines maybe you know and so just she like did a favor totally for Lana she was or Lana she was yeah like, that's quite possible <laughs> yeah maybe I don't know yeah, yeah, but but then I'm like, why are you putting her as eighth build? You know, the, have her be a fun cameo. Don't don't yeah. make yeah. me think she's gonna have a big part in this, yeah. and then say with Christina Ricci. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah something like that. that. And featuring, or you know, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I but I do love her for the most part. I haven't seen Yellow Jackets yet. So. Mel- Melanie Linsky. Feel- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I don't feel confident in recommending it, especially if you don't like the yeah. gore stuff. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so. Maybe you know, maybe I'll give it one or two more episodes and be like, oh my god, we have to watch this. But it, we don't. I don't think we're on that trajectory. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was gonna say though, Melanie Linsky is, from what I can tell with my limited interactions that I've because I have met her, she's wonderful person. Like she's just lovely around to be around. Uh, I see her in elevators. I've seen her on the elevator three times in LA since I've lived here. Different <laughs> elevators. Just the two of us. So if you're in LA, look out. She me- likes say Melanie Linsky three times in an elevator and you'll summon General her. General Holl- <laughs> Hollywood area, you, you can see Melanie in an elevator. <laughs> I yep, have, she could be I, Yeah, and I have loved her since Ever After Days. Jacqueline. Jacqueline. I legitimately forgot that she was in Don't Look Up even though we I watched know, it yeah. less than a week or two weeks ago. <laughs> Completely purge that movie from my brain. I feel like she's I one of like those a self-defense like, mechanism. like a- working actors that somehow doesn't quite get the do that she's. No, she does not. She's been in so many things and is very. Good yeah, I've always I've always really liked her also since Ever After, but it was honestly Perks of Being a Wallflower, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that it's... made me kind of like, oh wow, you're really good. Like I always liked her, but. She's Nobody, nobody's like a heavenly creatures fan. No, I mean I do. No, I no, like no. her yeah. in heavenly creatures, but yeah. I didn't see that until later. I think I think that so. I think what it was for me though is she always plays such a sweet person, and then mm-hmm. in Perks of Being a Wallflower, she's that person, but the devil <laughs> in ways, and so it's kind of like, uh, and it was like, oh wow, you have a lot of depth that I, I didn't say didn't think she didn't have, but it was that was right. It woke me up to it, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I've I've not seen Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, okay. Well, I won't spoil, but yeah, she's... It's it's fine. We're past the moratorium on spoilers for me. Well, should I tell you then? Sure, go She's ahead. his aunt, and, you know, you're learning about... You're seeing him. Jackie, you've seen, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she... And, you know, you're learning about... He's in high school and whatever, and he is who he is and all these different things and has his issues, and you learn through the movie, through flashbacks, whatever, because she's his aunt that she was molesting him. Oh, oh! Okay. But the whole well, time she's he because he's really attached to her and all these uh-huh. things now, and she's passed away. I think she passed away since as he's a teenager now, and so that's part of his problems, and he's dealing with that. And you, oh. it gets revealed later on, but he's kind of like suppressed that that happened to him. But like it, it's really it's dark and deep and just kind of disturbing. Well, it's really disturbing, but her performance in it is very understated and very sweet, Melanie Linsky. But then you're like, oh wait, I can see that, and it's like she adds this layer to it that's like, oh shit. She's she's really good. Okay, all right. That's there also a good, a good yeah. film, but disturbing. Yeah, I don't. I mean, independent of this, I don't think I was ever going to watch yeah, it. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that is it for this week. Thank you both so much. Thank you. All. Thank you. Thank you, as per usual, to Jackie and Matt. And now a couple of follow-up points. So the Star Wars books that Jackie and I were talking about are actually the Star Wars encyclopedias and visual dictionaries. And they came from a company called DK Publishing, which is probably where I thought the Discovery part was from, just because it looks like the Discovery logo. But those are those sort of uh, very deep dive into costumes and the weaponry and the vehicles and all those things. They continue to be published to this day. 
And then as for some of the other Star Wars folks that Matt and Jackie mentioned, so Ara Singh is a bounty hunter. She first appeared in The Phantom Menace. I don't even know if she had any lines, but she's been in shows like The Clone Wars and is obviously in a lot of the comics. And then Black Chrysanthemum is the Wookiee bounty hunter. He first appeared, as mentioned, in the Vader comics and worked for Jabba and then Vader. And then Dr. Afra is an archaeologist who worked for Darth Vader. And uh, Dr. Afra's uh, fictional biography was way too long for me to go into. But these are all characters who have definitely been in the periphery. But it sounds like Book of Boba Fett has the opportunity to insert them into the show. And then Kate Beckinsale from Underworld was indeed married to Len Weissman, who directed the first two Underworld films. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.